Welcome to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. My name is Mickey Wright, and each and every week I have the privilege to interview Black beauty bosses who are doing amazing things in the beauty industry. We give voice to their stories and celebrate their excellence while they drop nuggets to help all of us become better beauty pros and better entrepreneurs. More than a podcast, this is a movement to encourage Black excellence, entrepreneurship, to preserve our history, and to bring healing to the beauty industry. It's been said, if you want to be the best, you have to hang out with the best. As someone who went from struggling hairstylist to winning awards, becoming an educator, and owner of one of the 200 fastest growing salons in the country, I am committed to bringing you the tips, tricks, and secrets of success from the best the beauty industry has to offer. So if you love beauty, business, and peeking backstage like I do, let's go. I wanted to start with a little, Papa's got a brand new thing. <laughs> My first battle at Broadway. This was, this was our song. <laughs> you remember that? That's one of the things I remember about you. <laughs> when I, had I, do, about you. <laughs> I had to do three haircuts in six minutes. Oh. Mm -hmm. No wonder we're interviewing you tonight, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I did some tricks on that one, though, but I was able to do it. I hear you. I know you were. <laughs> I was actually in awe. So um, <laughs> I want to welcome everybody. Um, we are here live and we are on, I think we're on, I know we're on YouTube. I'm hoping that we are on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, can you give me a shout out or an indication that you are on and can see us um, and hear us? <laughs> so I want to welcome you guys to Beauty Superstars Talk. It's your backstage pass to experts in beauty. My name is Mickey Wright and I'm your host as we kick off Legends Month. Um, so this song, as I was just mentioning, is just one of many things that comes to mind. When I think of my guest tonight, Mr. John Atchison, he's legend, master haircutter, educator, celebrity stylist, to name a few things. So um, several years ago, as he was mentioning, it's like there was a group of stylists and, and myself included, and we were asked to be in a battle at the Bronner Brothers Hair Show. And it was, I guess, actually more of a showcase. I don't know. But um, each of us was asked to choose a song that represents us and do our presentation to it. And when that song came on and John came out dancing, it's like the crowd went wild and <laughs> including me. And um, and so, like you said, he had three haircuts to do in two minutes. Whoa. <laughs> That's well, no, 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 that it was three haircuts in six minutes, in six minutes, two minutes. Each. Wow. Yeah, you were rolling. <laughs> Yeah, so um, before I formally uh, introduce him, I want to um, get started with, you know, we'll be hearing his story, obviously. I can't wait for that. But I want to let you know why I'm so excited and honored to be here tonight and to bring you some of the best and the brightest Black artists in the beauty industry to share their stories and take you backstage into their world. Um, each and every week we do this. So um, my name, as I mentioned, is Mickey Wright. And if you're on YouTube with us, um, I want to invite you to subscribe to the channel and ring the bell so you won't miss any episodes. And I started Beauty Superstars Talk um, to celebrate Black artists who are excelling in the beauty industry. My career um, 
as uh, I guess you could say an award-winning hairstylist and educator, I've been helping thousands of stylists and salon owners to excel through the years. I'm also second generation in this business with both a mom and sister in it as well. And um, I was one of the first African-American owners of a full service salon and day spa in the country. And you basically could say that I love the beauty industry. And so Beauty Superstars Talk was actually born out of the murder of George Floyd and all the racial tensions that erupted afterwards quickly spilled into the beauty industry, um, which after churches is still one of the most segregated industries in the country. And so during that time, I actually had the honor to attend a couple of Zoom calls um, that there were some top black artists in the country and we were able to meet each other and share stories and for many of them there was a lot of pain over subtle and not so subtle racially charged events but they didn't let any of that stop them and so i left the meeting feeling so inspired and with a sense that people just have to hear these stories and so i've expanded my platform to be able to provide a safe space for black artists to be able to tell their own stories and you know not have to have any narrative put to it. Um, so we're here to inspire, to educate, and to heal our beloved industry. And we start the legend series this month. Um, each Tuesday this month, I'll be interviewing a different legend in the industry. And of course, there are many more than the four I have today. Um, I say almost every week, I've got about, you know, five years worth of people that I want to interview. So this is, you know, I guess you could say the start of one of the months. It's like we've done a couple of legends and I actually got to interview my mom. But all of this is super special to me because I think it's so important to know where we've come from and how the business. Uh oh, I'm hearing myself from somewhere. Yes. I don't know where. Um, okay. <laughs> realize that she can be heard. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so she's kind of excited. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Mm -hmm. That is good. But um, it's like, I, I think it's important that we know where we come from and how the business that we love right now, you know, and provides a great living and livelihood for us came into being. And I realize that many of the younger stylists don't know a lot of the artists who've come before us. And, you know, they've in fact devoted their lives to helping stylists progress. And I think it's important that we hear their stories. Um, and it also came to me that even if you wanted to find out about the history in the industry, particularly the black industry, you know, where would you look? It's like we don't have a library. We don't teach it in schools, you know, cosmetology or barber schools or anything. And so I feel like I'm really grateful for the opportunity just to record, you know, this history. Um, so without further ado, I want to welcome my guest, Mr. John Atchison. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yay for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know you, but I just followed your career and you have just done marvelous things in the industry and for the industry. So I'm just really honored, you know, to be interviewed by you. And then I, when you sent me your bio for the history makers, it was like, wow, I just, you're amazing. Oh, thank you're you. Amazing person, amazing woman, and amazing professional. Well, thank you. Wow, I received it's that. Awesome. Yeah, it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm equally as honored. I can say that for sure. And um, it looks like I'm seeing some people from, um, and thank you guys. I see some great comments. 
um, coming up, but I'm not seeing Facebook, so I'm a little concerned about that. We may not be streaming there, so hopefully everyone can catch the replay. I'm not sure what the technical challenges are, but um, let me just see. I'll take one more stab at it. And if you couldn't go live and there's some, Facebook has had a little bit of a glitch, so I'm not sure if um, we can get past the glitch or not. So, okay. So anyway, we will keep going, but um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about Mr. Atchison before we jump into the the whole finding out more about his story, but um, he's a zealous advocate um, of continual training. Uh, John recognized early in his career the importance of training other stylists to develop their haircutting skills. And he started by educating his own staff um, when he opened his New York salon in 1976, which is fabulous. And this is 2020 and you're still open. So it's like, we've got to hear some of those secrets. Um, <laughs> And over the years, um, John has worked, has earned international reputation as a leading hairstylist and educator, working with the Solid Foundation acquired at Vidal Sassoon's in New York and London. He became a master of the craft of haircutting and styling, dedicating himself to the development of the John Atchison method of precision haircutting for all textures of hair until he perfected the technique. Um, Demand for his service, Mr. Atchison was compelled to open a second salon in Los Angeles and became a hairstylist to the stars and created signature coiffures for some of the most visible faces in the country. He is sought after um, to teach at all the major hair shows nationwide because of his excellent reputation that he's built over 25 years as a creative and distinguished entrepreneur. And just a few of these celebrities that you have had your hands in their hair, um, Nancy Wilson, Ruby Dean, Candace Bergen, Diane Carroll, Alfre Woodard, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> um, Felicia Rashad, Maxine Waters, Cheryl Lee Ralph, and Robin Gibbons. And that's just the name of few. There's like two pages of, um, <laughs> of different people. Um, but it is definitely an honor to have you here. And um, I actually want to share, you were saying, um, you know, talking about my career, but early in my career, um, you were coming to town. I had seen you a couple times doing um, cutting classes, like regular, you know, look and learn. And I, a class, a hands-on haircutting class was coming to my area. And I had just enough to either take the class or get in the show. <laughs> like a lot of stylists. Right, right. <laughs> It was $35 and I was like, I am going to be in that class. So I want to tell everybody like where there's a will, there's a way. Cause it's like, I was able to, <laughs> to figure out getting in the show and being able to actually take the hands-on class. So I'm grateful for, uh, <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. So I think I met you and Philippe during that time. And, and I was, um, I was a fan before that, but I was definitely, excited about that. So tell yeah. us, you know, how did you even get started in hair? Well, to go back, when you mentioned Philippe, it just brought back so many memories. I, you know, I owe him so much. Um, and I get into that. But I, I started, my aunt, Josephine, night, my mother's sister, she was renting a booth in Queens. And of course, her son and I, we hung out together. And so I would go by the salon when, you know, when I would visit him because 
she lived upstairs when I was downstairs. And I would watch her, you know, work. Now, I never thought that I could do hair, but I had an interest in it from, I mean, years ago. I remember having a girlfriend and uh, uh, and she asked me to shampoo her hair. And she said, well, I want you to, she said, John, I want you to put an egg in my hair because I hear that's a good, you know, protein conditioner. And so we did that. I cracked the egg and I beat it up and put it on her hair and let it sit there for a while. And then when it was time to rinse it, what I didn't realize was going to happen, when I rinsed it, I used hot water. So, of course, the egg cooked in her head. <laughs> that was my first and last client. <laughs> a girlfriend, but we laughed about it. And then being attracted to women, um, and I remember sitting on the subway, and for some reason, I would look at these girls and they would have, I mean, beautiful faces, but their hair was always jacked up. I mean, it was hard to find a, a beautiful hairstyle on these ladies. And I kept redressing their hair in my mind. If they had a great hairstyle, and that was really tired of all. And uh, it's interesting, later on, that became a line that I would use to get women to allow me to cut their hair. Okay. <laughs> models. Because, you know, I needed models, so it was like, okay, where am I going to get them? So in the subway, I would see them, and I would approach them with that with that line. So you look fabulous, and, and if you had this hairstyle, it would be great. This yep. hair, you know. <laughs> that sounds like a good line, like one that worked probably really well. <laughs> it, it really did. And and um, it was interesting. I, I, I Eventually, I went to beauty school, and, uh, and I was working in the subway, you know, and so while I'm working in the subway all day, I'll go to beauty school that night. Or I would take a night shift, and then I would go to, you know, go, uh, go to school during the day. So I would alternate whatever was convenient. And I had to work. And so I met a guy named Charles Rome. Charles was a fireman. And so he and I were the only, you know, guys in the class, right? So I would use uh, an opportunity that they would ask for a model to have a facial done or have the hair cut. I would always volunteer because it was a great opportunity for me to take a nap. Okay. So, <laughs> and, um, but anyway, I got through, it was Wilford Academy. I got through that. But how I started was I was I always thought about doing hair. I was coming home from work from the subway job and I was on a bus and the girl said, uh, I saw this girl and I started talking with her and she had on a uniform. And I said, I always wanted to do hair. She said, well, why don't you come to the school with me and do what I did? I got a student loan. So I drove the bus with her and went up and applied for a student loan, and I got it. And uh, that's how I got in, in, into, into beauty school. And then from there, I, uh, I worked with my aunt for a while. I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing chemical haircuts. I mean, I would do these relaxers. I didn't know when to take it off. I didn't understand how best it worked, and hair was coming off in the sink. So that was when I first got, you know, into cutting hair. Well, not really cutting it myself, but doing haircuts. <laughs> so um, I kind of fired myself from that position because I, I need to go get some training. So uh, Charles had told me in school. He said, "Look, John, come downtown. 
put a suit and tie on and come to, uh, there was a store called Andre Bendel's, and I think Paul Mitchell was working there at the time. Uh -huh. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Philippe was working with him. Uh -huh. So I, I did what he said, and I went there. And of course, I didn't get hired. Because during those days, they had a quota of uh -huh. how many black stylists they were going to hire. And they had a section for black stylists uh -huh. black clients. And they had one for the Hispanic clients uh -huh. and the Hispanic stylists and the white stylists. Okay, so they, had their, they were filled. So I started walking around looking and trying to find some place to go and, and work and get trained. So I went to a place called Kenneth's. And I don't know whether you're familiar with Kenneth. He was John Rivers' hairstylist. He was, um, I guess, one of the premier stylists in New York City. Uh -huh. okay. Very famous, doing a lot of famous people. So I went to him. So the manager, a blonde woman, told me, uh, to go back to the neighborhood. Uh, so I said, okay, I get, I get the picture. Coming from South Carolina, you know, you know how to maneuver and you know what they're saying when they, when they don't say it. So anyway, so I remembered before I even went to beauty school now, I passed the Simmons. I didn't know who he was or what it was. <laughs> All these guys in these looking like the Beatles, in these suits and ties. It was Madison Avenue, 68th Street. Okay. And I was coming from the skating ring from Central Park, and I was looking in the window and seeing how sharp these guys were dressed and how the salon looked. And I said, one day, I'm going to work here, and one day I'm going to have a salon on Madison Avenue. So I went on to the subway, and as time went on, I finished school, and I started looking... And I started going to Sassoon's to apply. Well, um, the guy began, a mentor, he became a mentor for me. He was a manager. His name was Edward Wadsworth. Edward was our Edward Green. Edward was like, um, he was a tough little guy and a tough manager. With about 60 stylists, I understood why. Because okay. I became manager of Sassoon's. But before that, I went there. Uh, he said, we don't need anyone. I said, okay, I'm going back. Because I said, I'm going to go every month. Right. I went back to Sassoon's every month for seven months. I said, eventually, they're going to hire me. Mm -hmm. So I kept going back. Uh, I bought scissors, the Sassoon scissors. I bought the book that they gave. They gave you a step-by-step haircutting. I, um, you know, my first wife is married to her, so... Her sister volunteered to let me cut her hair while I'm turning the pages in the book. Okay. And instructions. And, and the cut came out good. There's only one thing. I cut the bangs too short and they popped up. Okay. They don't learn what, what caused that. But that process was like my intro to the Sassoon cutting. Okay. Now, I still wasn't hired. On the seventh month, Edward finally said, okay. I want you to pick a model because they have a bunch of women who come in for free haircuts uh -huh. last night. So I popped up and he said, take a model, go upstairs and cut them. Well, I've been practicing my cut, right? And so um, I went upstairs, shampooed the model, cut her hair, and I cut it in a bob. And, I, and, and uh, before that, I had seen a bob being cut when I, as I was coming to visit. I saw these people parting the hair, sectioning it. Boom, and the way they were cutting it. So I would practice that. 
So I heard a Bob on this one. This one. So the guy said, uh, he was artistic director. He said, uh, he said, you got talent. He said, Edward would get in touch with you. So I talked to Edward. I called them, and Edward said, I'll call you in a few days. Well, he, two weeks went by, three weeks, three weeks went by, no call. So I said, okay, let me call him. So then he said, well, look, I didn't forget you, man. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a call in a week. And he did. And that's how I started it. And uh, I have to give Vidal a lot of credit for getting my career inside the business. Because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have been manager. And then I became general manager. We had a barbershop and we had two salons. Eventually, uh, I opened the second salon. And um, so I was the general manager of all three. Wow. I took a beating for myself because I didn't know how to manage anyone. Mm -hmm. I didn't and they tell me we've chosen you to be the manager because the other guys that they had for manager after Edward left they were goofing off and getting high so anyway so I'm serious I'm there to get an education because my goal was to have my own salon but for the purpose of training black scholars how to cut hair the way I learned it I wanted to create job opportunity and I wanted to equip these stylists and, and give them an atmosphere where it was professional. You had to be on time. You had to dress in a uniform. You had to go to classes. And um, so <laughs> there's a funny story behind that one. But anyway, so this is that was my motivation. You know, I wanted to create opportunity. And I had gotten this information. So okay, what am I going to do with it? I said, well, is there going to be famous uh, actresses actors, and they're going to want an environment, they're going to want quality work, uh -huh. uh, precision haircuts, and if they don't get it from us, they're going to go to Sassoon's, they're going to go to other places again. Uh -huh. There's no reason for that to happen. I have the knowledge that we just share it. And that's when I started teaching. I opened my first salon in 19... It says 1976, but we actually opened had an opening on, um, on December. Okay. In December. The first of December. And um, it was exciting. Uh, I have to mention Bernice Calvin because I don't know whether you know her. Mm -hmm, I do. Bernice Calvin found out I had opened a salon on 55th Street between 5th and 6th Avenue around the street from the Nelson Sons. So she came in with a camera crew. Now, we had not finished building the place yet. You know, <laughs> we're still going on. I had the apartment upstairs. I was shampooing hair out of the sink upstairs. <laughs> but she wanted pictures and she was going to do an article on me. And, I, and we had the biggest argument. I said, we're not ready. We're not ready. She said, no, we have to do it. Now, it was a big thing to her because in the downtown area of Manhattan, you had Joseph's. Okay. You know, he was like the first. I mean, owned his own building and brought it should have taken a page out of his book. Then you had George Buckner and Harold Terrain. Okay. But these were these were the guys that were downtown, so to say, you know, the black scholars. Then you had Walter Fontaine, of course, who I eventually started working with before Sessons. And he and Rutel had a place together. And and these these people were like pioneers. They did the the um, the social rights of the elites of the black community, you know, the professional women. 
uh, seductors and so forth. And so I'm working there and I, I had an opportunity to work with a guy named Lord Loder, who's a good friend of Philippe's. And Lord had these little scissors he was cutting with and he had a style and I said, I like this style. So I would follow him wherever he, he went and check, him, check his cuts out. But eventually I found out Philippe and Lord were from the same, um, from Bermuda. Okay. So I had my salon now. No, I was working at Sassoon's and Philippe came to me and said, John, uh, I didn't know who he was. He said, let's start a, a class. Let's teach titles, okay? But I already had that in mind. Right? So now we finally got together and did a show in Philadelphia. Philippe was a star, okay? And he's on stage, he's commanding the audience and he doing his thing and he's got his blackboard and he's talking about and uh, angles and degrees and so forth. And so I'm backstage waiting and to go on right after him. So I go out, this is my first stage show. I did not know what I was doing on stage. <laughs> I can relate to me, <laughs> okay? I learned the lesson of my life. I lost the audience. I lost everything. Philippe had to come back up on stage and and finish the cut. And it was like, um, okay, Bill, Bill Madison, by the way, was the one who hired me. Uh, from that point, I learned, be yourself. Don't ever try to be like anybody else. Okay? <laughs> and I started working on myself. What was my personality? Let me do hair and teach the way, you know, I know how to teach, the way I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's a big lesson for me. Right, right. For years, I never copied for me. I always just followed my comfort level. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It definitely worked. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so that's a long story. That's how I got started. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. It's like I definitely... Um, here, it's like the, the perseverance um, of going back, you know, it's like, I'm just going to apply every month, every month, every month. And that's, you know, what it takes, you know, like to, to get to where you want to get to. Yeah. So, I just, you know, I, I knew that I was going to, you know, get obstacles, but I was ready for that. You know, so, and I knew that eventually it was going to happen if I kept not going to do it. And, and eventually did. And Ed told me after after he hired me later on, uh, he became my mentor. And um, unfortunately, he passed away at you know, about 40 years old. But he told me, he said he was looking. I found out he was he was really, uh, back then we were black. So he was a black guy. And I, but he was very fair-skinned. So people didn't know he was black. He said, I was looking for the right one. And that's why he made it hard for me. Mm -hmm. He said, because I knew once you got in, they were going to make it hard for me. Mm -hmm. He said, because it was going to be tough. Because you had like 60 stylists and, you know, all these were white dudes and a couple of girls. And it was like, man, they did everything they could to get me, get me fired. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, yeah. And, and, uh, and when I became manager, that was even worse. They mm -hmm. tried to sabotage. Uh, one of the guys who was the manager or assistant manager, he got demoted. His girlfriend worked at the reception desk. So, of course, the numbers always came up wrong. And so I spent hours trying to adjust the books 
at night. So I said, look, this is not working. And I have to give thanks to my first wife who I asked her to come. We were separated, but she agreed to come and work the desk for me. And I knew she had the experience in working on reception desk and having money and the numbers. So I brought her in to oversee the desk to get and I, you know, owe gratitude and thanks for her for doing that. Yeah, yeah. We've been down the tubes if it had not been volunteered to do okay. that. Yeah, so go back to um, when you were working as a stylist there and, and you were saying they were doing their best to, to get rid of you. What was that experience like? What were they doing um, to sabotage the key, on that level? The key, thing, the key thing that I would say some whites will use against a brother that's excelling, you know, mm -hmm. consistent. I was, I was like, the clients liked me because I gave my best. When I did a shampoo, it was like the best it was ever going to get. <laughs> everything I did, I wanted to be the best at it. So, of course, they started rumors about me talking to the women. Mm -hmm. And I remember my uncle, he came by and he saw where I was working. He said, man, I know you're talking to those ladies up there. I said, no, I'm not. So I didn't come here for that. I came here to get an education because my goal was to bring the education back to our community. Mm -hmm. so I went in and trained in, you know, black stylists, how to cut hair and learn what I'm learning here. So it wasn't about the women, it was about the education. And that's what I was there for. But that was the key thing that they used. Okay. And Vidal, he told me later, he said, you got, he said, you are very strong. I didn't know what he meant, you know, because things were coming at me. But, um, but at any rate, he, he had my back and I knew that. So, you know, I just kept rolling. Mm -hmm. yeah, and once there was a, there's a couple of guys and they would do silly stuff, you know, to try to get you upset. <laughs> and one guy, he, uh, I'm, I'm manager now. So, and I've already given him uh, the word that he couldn't go show with Vidal. He wanted to go to the show with Vidal. I said, no, you can't do that. I said, because we need you here. So my boss, who was Vidal's assistant, he approved for him to go. Mm -hmm. He had to check with me. So I went to him and I said, Joe, Joe Solomon was his name. I said, Joe, he took one of my stylists out of the salon. Okay, you never informed me. So if you're going to manage the salon, then you don't need me to manage. I said, because if he's out and my numbers are down, you're going to come at me. You want to know why are the numbers down? Mm -hmm. And the decision that you made. So it's up to you. I'll let you handle it. Mm -hmm. Thank God the, the dude didn't go. Joe reversed it and he stayed in the salon. Okay. But told me, you know, they didn't value or respect, you know, my position. In a lot of ways, they tried to sabotage it. And mm -hmm. I said, look, um, I still didn't know management. I eventually took classes. I took management classes. I took accounting for the non-financial manager. I took uh, voice and diction. Uh, you might not be able to tell it now. But um, voice and diction, in fact, I took two voice and diction classes because I said, one day, I'm going to be on TV. 
I'm going to be on the radio and I want to be able to speak well, right? right. So, so, um, so I took those classes and there was another class, statistics. Uh -huh. Statistics, but I took it. <laughs> I can't even tell you whether I passed it or not, but all the others I know I passed. But it, that was a good experience because it taught me what to look for, what to expect when you're managing a salon. Mm -hmm. Okay. So any tips that you would give um, salon owners currently or would-be salon owners? Like you said, you had a lot of team. That was a huge team. Well, one of, one of the things the Dell told me was learn the numbers, okay, when I, when I resigned. And, and that's something I, I, I never forget because I knew Joe's, uh, his assistant was kind of tricky. Um, so I said, when I got ready to resign, I wrote Riddell a letter and I asked for um, a meeting with him personally. And I wanted to meet with his assistant, who was my boss. And I said, um, he was in California. So I flew out to California on my own money. I didn't use company money to do it. Had the meeting and gave him the resignation letter to let him know that I was leaving in four months. Now, the reason I gave four months, first of all, I had an advisor who advised me to do that, but he said, number one, I was the manager. In fact, I was general manager. And I was working on someone who would take my place. One of the spouses was a female named Monique Montobo. And so I was developing her um, as I was going to school, sharing with her what I was learning. And so I knew once I left, the dog would have a manager. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to give four months to get her ready. Um, and that, that's why I gave four months as opposed to two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like a really respectful, mutually respectful relationship. Yeah. And, and Riddell, he, he said he wanted me to, um, to take over one of his salons, but I had already gone to the bank. I'd done the business plan. Uh, we had already got approved for the money. And so I knew where I was going. And then I wanted to do it, you know, the John Hutchinson way, which was to develop talent in our community. Right. right. Everyone looking over my head telling me, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. I didn't want that. Right, right. Mm -hmm. so, so this is a question that I have. Um, you had your specialty as cutting. And why did it feel so important to you to teach and train black stylists when like most black clients, particularly at that time, don't even want a haircut? You know, they're like, <laughs> and they're like oh no, you know. Oh, that's funny. That's a good, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. I didn't know I had the skill for cutting hair. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I always told people, if you worked at this as hard as I did, you'd cut it as well as I too, because I would go to London, I would go to Canada, I would train with anyone cutting hair, and they were the best, I was going to hang out with them. Mm -hmm. And um, but what I found out is that as soon as I had my clients and I saw the cuts that were being done, and they were I mean, but that was, his salon was the, the top salon in the nation. Okay? Mm -hmm. He had one in California, one in New York, and so I think he might have opened one in Atlanta at some point and in Chicago. So the cuts were so popular. I was bringing the technique to textured hair, okay, chemically straightened hair. Mm -hmm. And so the cuts that I was creating 
were different. Mm -hmm. And so women saw that and they wanted that difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the only, the only reason I can give you why they allowed me to cut their hair. And, mm -hmm. and I attracted clients who would let me do pretty much anything I wanted to do. And if they didn't, <laughs> I remember I was very arrogant at, at one point. Um, and I said, um, oh, I would do what I wanted to do. I remember Stephanie Mills telling me, you would never cut my hair again. Because I cut her hair, it was going to be straightened. I blew it out and I cut it in a nice shape. And I didn't want to put any curling knives in it. I didn't want to put any rollers in it. And I wouldn't do it. <laughs> she said, you would never cut my hair ever again in life. She kept coming to the salon, but she never sat in my chair again. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was it was it was something I knew I wanted to do. I wanted to, and I saw a way to create with a different family. I remember we went at, uh, we would go after work at Sassoon, some of the guys, and we said, "Man, we we have, we need to come up with our own technique." I said, "You know, one of the truth, cutting hair the way the way Vanell taught haircutting on his team." That was like Bible. It was like math. In other words, you're not going to change the DVA from that. I mean, because that is, like I say, it's like ABCs. And so what you can do, though, is find some different uh, different material to cut on. And so and that, my thinking was, let me apply these angles and degrees and graduation and over directing. Let me apply all these techniques. The chemistry straighten hair, okay, mm -hmm. to super curly hair and see what I get. And I would just experiment, just cutting at night. Everybody's gone, hanging out. I'm in the salon, you know, cutting some hair, cutting some hair, just figuring out what can I get. Let me over-direct it this way, cut it that way. Cut it, if I cut it with this angle, and how do I combine the two and blend it, you know? And I think the answer to your question, why did women let me cut their hair? They saw something different, and they wanted that difference. And they saw their hair in a way that they had never seen it before. And it grew out and held the shape. Right. And they had options. The roller set it. They could curl it with an iron. They could twist it. Uh, any way it moved, it had a shape to it. If they got caught in the rain, they still had a shape. So they found out the word got around. This is easy. My hair is easy to manage. I always have a good shape. So I guess the word got around. And uh, and then when I got articles in Mademoiselle magazine, uh, we did uh, Spelman College. We did a spread at Spelman College. And that blew up. Then mm -hmm. Essence wouldn't touch me, though. Oh, really? No, because I didn't style here. Oh. Uh -huh. and, they, and they were pushing styles. Okay. Yeah, but it, it worked out better because ultimately I got my own article, so I had the I had two pages. And okay. that's, yeah, on hair cutting. Wow. Yeah, but I, I wasn't going to adjust what I did to accommodate them at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, this was a little arrogant, but but I knew I had something. I wanted to make a mark in in this area. Right. Okay. And so that's why I just stayed to it. And eventually, Susan Taylor she. She gave me a break in there and, and it worked out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So talk to us about that, you know, like holding to your, your guns. Like you see a, a, a vision 
And you know, what is it you know that you think was in you besides the arrogance or what have you to <laughs> to hold to, to that vision and not you know let people influence you know what you had as a perception. You know, it's, it's the confidence that I got from working with some of the best cutters in the world, mm -hmm. okay? And seeing myself cutting next to them and even outcutting some of them. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I had a vision of taking it, you know, as far as I could take it. I remember the top Sassoon guy at that time, he introduced me at a class they had in California. And he said that I was the top black hair cutter, you know. And I said, no, man, I'm the top hair cutter. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so, but they would never want to give you that right. credit for, for, for being the best. Right. And I modeled, I studied, um, this is a side note, I studied photography of the different hairstylists who were featuring their work in magazines. Okay. okay. Um, and so when I did Carita, a couple of guys, Tony and Guy, everybody had a signature. Mm -hmm. Okay. You like, like the best example is fashion. You know a Ralph Lauren's ad, you know a Versace ad, okay, you know uh, Kevin Klein. You know these designers, their ads are signatures. Mm -hmm. I wanted my work to be that. When you saw a John Atchison haircut, it was different. And you knew John did that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would shoot for. But in order to get that, I had to find a photographer and a makeup artist who would give me the look that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to work with a guy who gave me a, oh my God, this dude, he shot the pictures so soft. Because my cuts were sharp and hard, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't flowing. They moved, but it wasn't like curls and movement. And Jim Williams used to say, you and Philippe are like lines. I'll just cut lines. I have no movement, <laughs> you know, no flow. But I was looking for the the uh, architecture of cutting. I, I mean, I wanted to just create shapes out of different textures. And I wanted it to be different. So I needed a photographer who would capture the essence of the cut. I wasn't interested in how, I mean, the model should look good. I wasn't interested in fashion. I just, it was like, Headshots, and I wanted them to pop, and uh, and I found that God to do that. Over the years, you know, it was harder to find that, um, but you know, eventually, you know, I went to California, found a woman out there who did it. But you know, you just look for. I mean, I was just confident in that what I was doing, you know, and I was pushing it. I was pushing the hunger up, pushing. It was like a jazz musician, you you know. I, I, that's why I love Miles Davis so much. I'm fortunate enough to do his hair, right? And, and spend a lot of time with him. But he pushed the envelope. He would just push it. And that's what I would do with haircutting. I just push it as far as I could go and uh, and see what I could get out of this texture. And see what it would do when I cut it at this angle, I cut it at that angle, or this man, or that man. And uh, so that, that, was, that was the motivation there. Just, you know, wanted to do something different. And pushing it as far as I could. Yeah, yeah. 
We've got to love this interview. <laughs> We're like witnessing what passion looks like and what that clarity of, of like the vision of what you want to create and not allowing it to uh, anyone else to influence, you know, or deter you from it, which seems to be something that comes up. I did not know what the outcome would be. Right. Uh -huh. My attitude was if I make a mistake, I'm going to turn it into a creation. Mm -hmm. So, and I and we do that as Thomas all the time. Because you know we don't make mistakes. We just go in a different direction and make something out of that direction. So, and so that made haircutting fun. It made it exciting, adventurous. Let me see what's going to happen when I do this. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't afraid to do it. Most cutters were afraid to cut the hair. Oh, if I cut this, what's what's going to happen? Well, I had I spent enough time in the lab working on different textures, working on them at different lengths and, and, and finding out what it was going to do. So now, you know, I had this information, now, now I can start creating with it. Mm -hmm. There were some trials and errors, but there were never, I don't think I've ever done a bad haircut to, um, mm -hmm. don't think about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was always, you know, it might not have been as sharp as it could. The line might not, not have been as blended as I wanted it. Uh, but I would keep working until I got that. You know, and if it took hours, I would just keep at it. Mm -hmm. that one you had patient models. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> clients too. Uh -huh. Because I remember when we, we opened our salon, I had a white clientele at about ten percent. Black clientele, mm -hmm. and um, so I was booking the same time on the black clients. And we, and when we opened, we had models, you know, Iman and Beverly Johnson, mm -hmm. you know, all, all these models coming and up and coming models, and they were coming at us, and 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 the women were coming from all all kinds of directions, and um, and it was like I'm booking everybody for thirty minutes. These women were getting. Relaxes and cuts, <laughs> and we would get behind like two and three hours. And, and, and I said, "Wait a minute, there has to be another way." Yeah. So I realized what the problem was. I can't book black clients who have a different need than I do with white clients who get cuts and blow dries. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we start arranging the bookings accordingly. Lesson learned. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, There's some folks out there that helped somebody tonight. Yeah, with I hope so. I hope so. I'm saying it was all this out. I have to thank the clients that stuck with us during that time. But you know what was interesting too, though, many salons were operating that way. I mean, I heard stories. It's probably not happening now. But back then, stylists would shampoo a client when they first come in, knowing they're not going to get to them for about two hours. Mm -hmm. But they know the woman's not going to leave because her hair's wet. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is, listen, I would see it. I would see it. Mm -hmm. So, um, it definitely happens, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a good practice, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really something. But I thank God we got through it, and, you know, and uh, the clients mm -hmm. got through it, and some of the clients are still my clients today. Yeah. Uh -huh. They're like friends. Okay. It's like we have uh, someone who had the privilege of being one of your models. Is that right? Yeah. 
Oh, is she saying something? Huh? Is she saying something? She just says, um, I had the privilege of being one of your models. Oh, okay. That, that, that was, that was the best advertisement. Mm -hmm. We would do free haircuts Tuesday and Wednesday night for our class. Mm -hmm. And we would advertise in the papers. Uh, when the word got out and see the cuts, they might not have been as, as good as, say, one of the stylists were doing, but the people were trained so well that, and then if the cut was going, you know, we'll say it's going to come out bad, we would, you know, the stylist, the teacher would jump in and correct it and adjust it. And mm -hmm. we let them know, you may not get what you want, but you get something that's good. Mm -hmm. So, um, so right. we would, you know, in the class, yeah, we would do a lot of models, and many people came to those classes. And I thank them because all of this is what sort of helps you in this career. Every client, whether you're doing them free or you, they're paying, they're helping you develop the skill even more. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, mean, I really appreciate it. I, and I learned something from Bill Cosby. He said, always respect your clients mm -hmm. by giving them the best. Mm -hmm. Say that again. I think we need to hear that again. Yeah. Bill Cosby told me, John, he said, always respect your clients by giving them your best. Yeah. yeah. That's, and, that's and Eddie, Edward Green told me that too. He said, John, if you're going to go out and train, I was going to train a salon in, um, in uh, oh God, I want to say Alabama. Anyway, um, the guy who salon, his name was Rodney. Rodney's going to shoot me for this. Anyway, he does trichology now. He teaches at the International okay. Institute. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, we're talking 1970s. His, his, he and his brother, they invited me to come to, I must say, Alabama, mm -hmm. to a salon management class. Okay. I go out there, and Edward told me, he said, John, before you go, he said, I want you to give them everything you got. I mean, work them as hard. Don't even take lunch. You say, give up everything you got. And at the end of the day, if they're ready to quit, say, give them some more. <laughs> so I did that, all right? And I left, okay? And uh, I didn't keep up with Rodney, but I saw him at the International Hair Show about three or four years ago. Uh -huh. um, and I didn't know he was the same man who owned that salon. Mm -hmm. so I told him I wanted to take his class. He said, for you? He said, you don't have to pay me nothing. For what you did for us, mm -hmm. you came out and you taught my team, salon management, my brother and I. He said, you got a free class with me anytime you want. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful. So that was the lessons that I learned from people who, you know, they were professionals. They, they knew, and Bill always gave his best in his shows. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, you, you just listen to people who have experience. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Bill Cosby. It's like you did um, hair for the Cosby show. Is that correct? Yeah, I created the styles. Uh, I sent a stylist there to maintain them. Okay. Uh, and another friend of mine, you know, James Finney, uh, he, would, he was hired because he was in the union. I wasn't in the union, but I didn't have a desire to work the show every day. So when they were developing the show, Bill invited me to his house in California, and I took all my pictures, and, and he wanted styles that would not go out of style. 
He said, I want something that's going to be dated, you know, years from now. Mm. And so, and I brought my pictures and everything, and, and they, you know, they accepted it. And so Felicia was coming to me, and Tempest, and Lisa Bonet, and I never did um, The Little Girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Rudy, but I was trying to think of a real name. Uh, and, um, and then Malcolm. Okay. Those, you know, yeah, I worked with them a lot. Okay. Right. Yeah, that sounds like quite an experience. I mean, the show at the time was definitely like groundbreaking and oh, had the attention of everybody, you know. It is still today the best thing on TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I watch my wife and I, we, we still watch it because we're still friends with the family. Mm -hmm. So it's like you can look at that show and it's you know, you, you, you're going to laugh. You're going to learn something. I mean, because he was an educator. Or he is an educator. Not was. is an educator. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the man was just phenomenal. It, with all the things that he did. And, and through it all, he's always teaching. Mm -hmm. teaching. And yeah. his wife was such a supporter of mine that, um, I, I mean, I can't thank them enough for, you know, for what they did and having my career. And I remember... Um, uh, Mrs. Cosby, she flew me to south of France. Mm -hmm. And I never went south, south of France. First class. And, mm -hmm. and two tickets, right? And I go and I took my sister with me. And well, we, wherever they went, we went. Whatever they ate, we ate. I mean, we were like part of the family. I mean, of course, I did my, I did the hair. It was his 50th birthday. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but it was just phenomenal. I mean, everything was first class. We just, we had a ball. My sister was playing tennis with uh, Sidney Poitier, because wow. we were at the hotel where we were staying. And so we were eating on the veranda and the people were coming up on the yachts and everything. It was, for me, that was, you know, a country boy from South Carolina. It's like, <laughs> now I'm in the South of France. <laughs> yeah. And we went back again, so it was great. But they were very, they were very helpful in my career. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, so many artists, you know, it's like they kind of see the glam and what have you, but a lot of times we don't see the opportunities, you know, that are available, that there are so many different things, like you talked about photo shoots and teaching and working yeah. with, you know, a particular celebrity and other celebrities and, you know, travel, you know, like you travel to London to learn and on all of that. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting that, um, People would ask me, how did you, how were you able to do all these famous people, right? And one of the things my father and my mother always taught me was integrity. Mm -hmm. And I defined it this way. What will you do when there's no chance of anybody ever finding out what you did? Mm -hmm. okay. Will you do your best then? Right. Right. And so when I was with, say, the Cosby family or with Muhammad Ali, I would never divulge anything that I heard, you know, about them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they entrust you with, in their home, they entrust you, you know, to do their hair. And so my thing was never to, even with my clients today, I never talk about, if they tell me something, talking about someone else, I never carry it any further in the chair or further in their mouth, because I'm not going to need it. Mm -hmm. So, that, that was a good lesson uh, to learn 
from people like them and, and also mainly from my parents. Mm -hmm. We respect them. Yeah. Uh, and that gave me, and they gave me the opportunity to work with Nancy Wilson, be uh, friends with her family, uh, just di different people. Lola Falana. It was like, like uh, I was that's when I said, why are these people? I mean, there are other cutters now. Why they? Why me? And 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 I, I have to say this: I'm, I'm, uh, it wasn't me that did it, but uh, Cicely Tyson, when uh, she invited me to go with her to the White House twice. And that was an experience I never had before. Wow. I wasn't going to invite me. So but to be able to experience that, and uh, it was just wonderful. I, I took pictures of every room in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> this must have been free, all of the different security stuff. I don't even know. That, that was definitely free. <laughs> I mean, I had my little spy camera, and I'm taking pictures of everybody. Too. I'm having a ball. I'm just, you know, enjoying it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's important how you treat people and respect who they are you know the good or the bad you, you know you respect them. yeah yeah i think that word is so key integrity you know yeah. what we do when, when there's no one watching when you know right, right. i mean it, the people call me when when lisa bonet was going through her thing with the cosby show uh the tv people called me said we want to put you on tv and we want you to talk about Lisa Monet and the Cosby Show. And, uh, and uh, I said, uh, I can tell you about it here. No, we want to know. I said, well, you want me. So the man had the nerve to tell me, well, you, can't, you can't be on our show. I said, I don't want to be anyway. <laughs> but now, nah, the people were mean. They were cool. Boy, they were cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think now it's probably gotten even it's, more so with social media and all of that. The stuff that, I mean, the stuff that's going on, the things that they brought against, uh, my, I'm going to call him Bill. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. The lies. It's, it's, it'll come out. You know, it'll come out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, one of the things I want to... Um, definitely talk about is your your role as an educator it's like you were really influential in me being an educator and you shared your very first experience as an educator uh -huh. <laughs> and, uh, how well that went and you're good at being yourself i don't know you really, but i'm telling you you're good yeah, well, years ago, like many, many years ago, it's like we had a conversation at the uh, Big Show Expo in Washington, D.C. And it was kind of after everything was, you know, shutting down or what have you. And I was. You, you and I had this conversation. Yes, you and I. And. Um, You're going to get back to my remembrance. Yeah, oh my gosh. It's probably one of many conversations you've had through all these years. But um, I was at that point interested in starting to teach uh, my own classes. I have been on platform. And, and definitely, you know, continue to take your classes and all of that. And so I was was expressing that to you and you were like, oh, OK, that sounds good. And, you know, like what is going to be your specialty or what are you going to, um, you know, really focus on and be known for? Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Ooh, that's an interesting question. And you were like, mm -hmm. well, I have hair cutting. And, you know, like, what are you going to have? And so it really made me think about, you know, what were my strengths and what did I want to bring mm -hmm. to the um 
to the whole business. And so that's how Fabulous Finishes was born because I was known for my styling, but you can't style without a good cut. But I teach a cutting class and I wouldn't teach them how to curl and they do the nice new cut and they put the same old curl pattern to it. And it's like, that does not, you know, <laughs> that's not how that's supposed to look. So that became the, the way that that evolved. And it was really from that question. And there was um, another, another um, message you gave me. And I don't know if it was that same day or not, but um, you were saying something like, like if I wanted to do haircutting, that would be fine too, because whatever I did would just elevate you to the next level. And so there was never any sense of competition or a sense of, um, um, I don't know, that there was any threat to you as a person. And it's like, I really admired that. I saw that as strength. And it's like, I, you know, agree with that philosophy, but so many people, you know, get intimidated or what have you through that process of someone else wanting to grow. Yeah, that was that was big in the industry. I never had that thought. I mean, Barry Fletcher mentioned that that I shared with him when he was with Floyd in London, and it, it was never my, my whole my goal was to share what I had. I mean, what good would it just do me? It was to share what I had with others. So, right. um, I grew up in the church. Um, the church didn't necessarily grow up in me, but I, but a seed was planted. And so eventually, you know, I joined Fred Price's church and became a uh, usher and an elder and a teacher and, you know, and I, uh, all of that. And, and I love it. And, and it changed my life because, and, and I want to talk about this too, because from the desire to share, um, you know, I, I, I was cutting here one day and it was like Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you think I gave you this talent to glorify yourself? And I said, oh. He said, no, I gave you the talent to attract people to glorify me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out, okay, now how can I glorify God in my class? And he said, you're going to create a syllabus. And you're going to name it Cutting Hair to the Glory of God. Uh, okay. And that's how Cutting Hair to the Glory of God came about. And in that class, I would I would minister salvation to scholars. Because my goal, you know, it, it was to um, realize the power that we had. And, and this is something that I got from Stella Davis. You probably know her. Uh, she started the Christian Cosmetology and National Association. Well, I was I was in New York chapter. I started teaching Bible studies in my, my salon. But and I thought about teaching hairstyles. People come to us and tell us all this stuff. I mean, men and women. Okay, the men talk just like women. And so uh but you know it's a chance they're comfortable, they're relaxed, and, and again, integrity. You don't spread that, you don't talk about it, there's no gossiping. They're just sharing, they're having challenges, you know, in the home with the children, uh, medical problems, you know, psychological problems, you name it. We get them all. Right. And we have power to influence by sharing with them, you know, we can gossip with them, we can give them bad advice, or we can lead them to the Lord. 
And now my goal, since I was a Christian, I said, boom, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And so I put my script together and everything, and I put it together in my syllabus, and I had my cutting stuff, you know, ready. And then I had, in the beginning of the booklet that we handed out, I had scriptures to describe what the glory of the Lord was. You know, we should do things in excellence, you know, the best of our ability. We should treat each other well, treat our employees and the people we work with well, the scholars well. You know, you don't steal supplies from each other, and you know, all, all that stuff, all from the owner, okay? So, so anyway, so I would do that, and then I'd ask the question, what if someone came to you and they saw the effect that God had on your life? What would you tell them? And they wanted to have the same effect. And most people would answer in the class, well, I would tell them to come to church. Okay? I said, well, it's Monday. So what happens is, you know, they die, you know, they get shot or whatever, and, and they got to wait until Sunday? <laughs> well, you just minister salvation to them right there. Okay? So I had all my stuff ready, and I had the scriptures in the booklet and all that. So the entire class was ready uh, the prayer of salvation. And one class in Brown Brothers, the first time I did this was in Chicago, it's probably I was so nervous about it because I said, these people are paying. They don't want to hear about God. They want to learn how to cut hair. But I put in the syllabus, cutting hair to the glory of God. Brain scissors, comb, water bottle, clips, and your Bible. Okay. So you knew what you're coming into. Right. In Chicago, four people received the Holy Spirit and got saved. One woman received a healing. Okay. I was blown away. That whole weekend, I think about 12 people received Christ. So now I go to the Brahma Brothers and one class, 19 people, ready to pray salvation. And I encourage them to find a church and, and you know, usual, find a church, read the Bible, and so forth. And after that, more people were coming up to me. I always wanted to have God in my business. I always wanted to be able to play Christian music in my, my salon, but I couldn't get, you know, my operators wouldn't do it. They wouldn't go along with it, and the clients wouldn't go along with it. And, and believe me, I lost clients. I didn't come here to hear about God. And, and it was like, cool, you know. You don't have to talk about God. But if you give me an opening, I'm going in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I come out, you're going to be saved, okay? okay. You know, so that that was that was the I guess the height. It's like when we cut hair, when I would cut hair, I would always ask my client, how do you feel? Okay. Not how does it look, mm -hmm. but how, how does it make you feel? Right. And then to know that now I can provide you with an ex, you know external look, okay, physically, and that makes you feel good. But also, if I can give you life, I can share a word of God with you. And I would have crystal material around books they could read if they wanted to. And I'm saying more people came for prayer than you. You 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 know the man upstairs. Would you pray for me? Uh, going in the hospital for for my operation. My husband is going there. What are your children are going to school? Would you pray for me? And we got a lot of that. A lot of that. So that that really changed my whole focus on the educational thing, what I was going to teach and how I was going to teach it. But and then we did we did the hair cutting after you know salvation part. We but you know, we cut the hair and everybody was pleased. And I only had one complaint. 
Wow. One complaint. <laughs> Two years later, no, one year later, this woman that received a healing said she if she didn't have an operation that she would die. Well, she didn't have the operation after she came to the class and we prayed and laid hands on her, right? So that she comes back into the class a year later. There's a woman in the class who started complaining. I didn't come here to hear about God. I I want to cut hair and so forth. And I didn't say a word. There's a lady who had received her healing stood up and said, this. Listen to Mr. Atchison. He said, because I came here needing an operation, as I would die, and I'm still alive, and I didn't have the operation. She said, so just let him finish this portion. You, you get to the cutting, and you'll learn something. I said, I ain't said a word after that. Right, right. Jesus. So it was all good. It was all good. Yeah, yeah, that's fabulous. And we really, um, a lot of times I think don't recognize the power that we have when we are behind the chair to impact, um, like you say, the way people feel, not just right. how we change their hair or something like that. And mm -hmm. definitely we do get, you know, everybody, you know, says something magical happens when people sit in the chair. It's like, just like mm -hmm. they start spilling out. <laughs> I know when I get my hair cut, I go to sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> People, you know, I just got one the other day for tonight, and my granddaughter cut my hair, right? And she is a phenomenal, what do I call it? extension expert, stylist. Uh -huh. uh, I don't know whether you heard her name, uh, Kristen Oreo, Star Kiss is her company name. Okay. And she is doing so well in the industry. And she didn't want to take my cutting classes. I was so upset with her. <laughs> <laughs> She had a vision of her own, and she was just like me when I was. <laughs> she knew what she wanted to do and what mm -hmm. hair she wanted to do, and it, I was not gonna make her. I mean, she took my classes, but she would stay with it. And, you know, I, I wanted to put everything I had into right, right. <laughs> now she she, she cuts hair, she cuts weaves, she does weaves, she makes wigs. I mean, she just you know she got a celebrity clientele. She's just. Yeah. She's balling, I'm telling All you. All in. <laughs> and she's a Christian, and she can preach. It is like, I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. But that that's kind of funny that she's just as determined in her direction as you were. <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you. I am, boy, I'm seeing myself in a female form because, whoo, but she is so good at what she does. Mm -hmm. I, she has it. Uh, what do they call it? Chair side manner. Yeah. She knows how to talk. She knows how to consult. She's about now. She's doing a holistic class. Uh, so just hone her skills. She's just she's phenomenal. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I'm so proud of her. I, mean, I love her so much. I'm sure. I, I got a picture of me cutting my hair. She was crying. You know what I cut the hair? One of my cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's oh, right. Now she can put any lift she wants in her head. Okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah, but um, you're definitely the way that you teach and the the proficiency that you work in. You know, it's like we enjoy watching you, but we are understanding uh, what's being taught, which is is critical to being a good hair cutter because it's like a lot of people 
you know, definitely leave school and spend some time in their career. A lot of times that don't have any understanding of the head form of the, the shapes, um, you know, of the angles of the elevation and those types of things. They're just like, what? I taught a class in Barbados and, and they videoed it. And, uh, you know, and as a result of that, that was my first instructional uh, video tapes. We called them tapes back then. They were tapes. You go right. <laughs> um, anyway, in that class, I cut three, three heads, and they recorded it. So I told them they could have the recording, give me a copy. Mm-hmm. They want to sell them, it's okay with me. But I brought them back and I had them edited down. And I realized that's it. Everything I was teaching and wanted to be able to explain in teaching came out in those tapes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the style in which I taught, it came out in that session in Barbados. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was like, I, I wanted it to be understood. I, I said, the way Fred Price was my, my spiritual father. The way he taught the Bible, I wanted to be able to teach half thirty that way. Mm-hmm. Where people would get it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have to guess. They would know why you're doing this this way. Why are you holding it that way? What effect you're going to get when you hold it that way? And then South Talk asked me to do a haircut article in words. Can you imagine? I'm thinking, <laughs> you just no pictures? And then some sketches that I put together I gotta teach this thing in words, and and then it made me think back to Sassoon's and how I cut from watching pictures, but now I'm describing a cut in words. That gave me a different insight into hearing myself talk this through, and then having to come up with how can I explain that you're holding this in what angle and you're elevating it here, and what effect you're gonna get, and so forth. And it, it just sort of all of it sort of came together, and I wasn't even looking for it. It just so it happened, but what I was searching was how can I better define and make it easy as possible for yeah. someone to cut here? Right. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've done a phenomenal job through the years. It's like a lot okay. of us are a debt of gratitude to you. So thank you. You, you know, um, my wife, Miss um, her maiden name is Sheila. I'll put it away. A name president, Sheila Fraser Anderson. Now, when she she first met me, you know, when I first met her, Bill Cosby's wife sent her to me. And I knew she was the one, right? My wife I was separated and all that stuff, headed for divorce. And I knew she was the one. But um, she said I had to get ready, but you know, we both had to get ready. <laughs> she loved the Lord, I love the Lord. But she was doing um, an interview of some former stylists in California, you know, and to hear, she was surprised at what effect the training was having on the students that I taught and the stylists who worked with me, okay? Because I wanted them to learn everything about the business. I want to learn everything about cooking hair. I, you know, it was like professionalism, all that. I wanted them to be equipped to go out and do their own business. Mm-hmm. I knew they would leave eventually, so why not have them leave equipped? Because mm-hmm. people were still coming in wanting to learn. So it was always I'd go to high schools, talk to the students there, give demonstrations, go to beauty school, give demonstrations. So I knew we were going to attract more more people to train. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I've never had um, a jealousy, a spirit about it. It just, you know, they helped me develop. You know what I'm saying? Every time I share with someone, that helped me. You know, I, I couldn't have grown if I had kept it to myself. Right. right. So I owe gratitude to them. You know, they have some funny stories to tell about working with me. <laughs> One girl, she said, I come all the way from Long Island. She told me this other thing. I come all the way from Long Island. You had the nerve to send me home because I was late. Uh -huh. I come all the way from Long Island. So I, she said, I told her, well, you had to come from somewhere. And so, <laughs> it is, and that, that was my, my, my arrogance back then. But I never remember, I don't remember that. that but it's like little incidents with scholars. And, and uh, oh, man, it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I loved those kids. And they were kids from my age. And some of them were my age. And, and yeah. some people and they would do things and talk about the salon when they were ready to leave. But then later on, when they opened this line, they call you up and say, man, I understand what you were going through. <laughs> you, know, you get all of that stuff. So I said, I want to, you don't know, leave a place and, and, and burn your bridges. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And if, and if you have done wrong to a salon owner, that stuff will come back on you when you're trying to do something on your own. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Just, you know, be grateful and just move on. <laughs> and if you don't like the environment, you know, quit. You don't have to talk about it. Please. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Find a place that works. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me. When I worked with him, I told him I was going to Sicily. He uh -huh. said, I know Vidal, you know, and, uh, it, it, and good. It's the best way. And he has friends today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing. So tell us, um, you've mentioned so many different names through, you know, through our conversation. Who were those kind of key people that really inspired you, you know, maybe before you got in early in your career, or even throughout your career, as far as who keeps you reaching and pushing? And Gosh, early on, it was Edward, um, Edward Green, a manager assistant who hired me. Mm -hmm. uh, the first person was my aunt. She was a professional through and through. Mm -hmm. so the first one to, uh, told me and, and, and taught me how to relax here. We, we call it degrees. In other words, now it's texturizing, but there were so many different textures, and every texture didn't need to be bone straight. Mm -hmm. So we would relax the hair in degrees. Some people call it percent, uh, percentage of removal of the curl pattern. But um, but that's something she inspired me a lot. She was always on top of her game. She was always strong. She was always gentle and giving. And uh, she was my, I guess, my first inspiration in the, in the business. Edward was, I would say, second. Walter Fontaine, I, you know, I admired what he did. And of course, Vidal, I got my foundation in cutting and professionalism really uh, at a level with a whole team of people. You know, salons with him. And I'm trying to think, um, I mean, you inspired me, okay? To okay. see what you were doing and 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 then where you went from one from hair to doing what you're doing now. And then Barry, Barry Fletcher. Um you know, I mean, I listened to his interview and I mean I was really my wife and I would 
but taking it out and it was just amazing, you know. And then uh, Roy Kenyatta, uh, Alec and Tom, you know, Thomas Hayden, mm -hmm. Alec Benson, they were funny, boy, they, they should tell me. Alec would come to my salon and talk about me like a dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she said, y'all just cut hair, just cut lines. Y'all don't know how to move hair and do all of this. And she was right, I didn't know how to do any of that. <laughs> I, I should have done like Barry said. He went to study with the braids. I didn't do that. I was okay. what I was doing. But you know, it's people that worked around me. And, and Philippe Bascon was my my, my buddy. Okay, he encouraged me to draw with him and teach. And eventually, that happened. And we would travel together. And we had a different approach. He was very hard on the students, and he would beat them up for. Him. He was standing over him. <laughs> and then I come along and break it down and explain it. So we worked like well good together as a team. But he was, he was very inspirational and very helpful in, uh, in my early early Because he was out there on the platform before me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You be yourself, John. Be yourself. He didn't tell me that. I learned that. that said, What's that? Oh, be yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was I can't do what he does. I can't do what he does. He's doing it. I can do it my way, and I can capture the audience that way. And I just my my goal was when I got on that platform, I wanted you to leave there understanding mm -hmm. what you got, what you came there for. And I and I read the scripture in the Bible that says, "And all you're getting, get understanding." Mm -hmm. And that was my motto. You're gonna understand what you did. Right, right. And if you don't learn something in this class, let me know. I'll give you your money back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I mean, I think it's definitely part of your gift. You know, the 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 doing the hair part is one gift, but teaching is a whole nother. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really surprised when they they chose me out of seventy five stylists to be uh, top educator of the century. Yeah, the modern salon. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. And, and, and when I saw it, of course, you know, you know, it, it made me feel good. In that, I, I wasn't looking for recognition. Mm -hmm. I was trying to pay my bills, and I was trying to service the clients the best I could. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, you know, I wasn't looking for the recognition or the pat on the back or anything like that. Now, what what, what I enjoyed was if a client felt good about what I did, that made me. Mm -hmm. The teaching, I didn't look for the students to thank me. I mean, many of them are thanking me now, but I, yeah, and I didn't know you. You, you changed my life. You know, my, I wouldn't be where I am today. Stuff, you know, I hear stuff like that. Right. And one of us down said, "You brought haircut into the black hairstyle community." Yeah. And I never thought of these things. You know, when you're doing what you're doing, you're doing it because you love it. Uh, and I love what I was doing. I love the people I was working with. I love the stylist. And all I'm thinking about is, okay, the rest going to be due. The electrical bills coming. The, the payroll is coming. You know, those things, you're not really thinking about, oh, what's, what is this going to mean later on? Right, right. And I threw out a lot of stuff uh, a few years ago. And I thought about uh, I came and he said, a client, you should be in the Schaumburg, okay? And I'm saying, Schaumburg? 
case numbers. I never known that she, I was a union. Well, she took my bio to them, and they said, yeah, they would they would house my work. Wow. So it's like, yeah, wow. And it's like, okay, you know, this is pretty cool. Now, now, now I got to go into the storage room and find stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that I did, articles that I did, oh boy, shows that I attended, and I and I'm and I'm saying that because many black people do not have papers on themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't save the articles and the, the the work that they've done, you know, and the awards that they've gotten and so forth. And so this, I mean, I encourage every stylist. that my granddaughter is now thinking legacy. Okay. Right. Right. She's recording and documenting and putting stuff away, everything she does. And I think we need to think about that because you have a legacy. Floyd and, 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 and Valerie have a legacy. Okay. The things that, listen, you're interviewing us so that what we experience, other stylists don't have to experience it the way we did. And, right. and it'll help them, you know, go further than we, we have. And so, I, people need to know that, and and that's why you should be a history maker, not me. You are one. <laughs> that's why you know, I gave your name, the virus name, Floyd. You know, and it's like, unfortunately, um, all of this in there. They, they got to her before James Harris is there, uh-huh. um, in the in the category of style maker, and uh, but there's so many of us in the hair community that have contributed so much. Not just to the hairstylists, but to our communities. Right. Because I think about the politicians that we we campaigned for, that we did cutathons for, and gave the money to that to that campaign, uh-huh. and you know gave out the flyers and so forth. And uh, you know we supported the mayors of New York, the black mayor, the black uh, controller, uh, you know, the borough president. I mean, all of that. Uh, Percy said, "You Felipe." That's all. Versus, not versus, uh, he does David Dinkins here, my first player of New York. And so, you know, we have contributed in so many ways. And I think about the organization that Philippe and I founded called the National Cosmetology and the National, uh, no, I'm mixing that up with uh, Stella's organization. But it was the National Cosmetology Educational Council. Okay. And we, my feelings, I went to Paris and I saw this guy, Alexandre, older stylist. He was famous. And I said, we got Frenchie. I don't know whether you familiar with Frenchie Casimir. Frenchie, no, I haven't, I didn't meet him, but I've heard of him. You've heard of him. Uh-huh. He was James Harris's mentor. Frenchie had a salon on, on 25th Street. He had maybe 25 stylists. He might have had more. He was a class act from Haiti, always dressed sharp, but he would always go to Paris, bring back information and share it with us, okay? But we honored him, okay? And we got together a, a, a committee with Philippe and Susan Taylor and Evelyn Cunningham and different ones in the community. And we, Artie Slaughter, put on the fashion show. We were at Lincoln Center. It was a gala event. We did four of those every year, four in a row. And we were honored. Uh, we honored Dr. Katie Whitman. We honored James Harris. We honored um, uh, Joseph Plaskett. We honored Susan Taylor. Um, yeah, and the whole goal was, and, and then we would 
feature hairstyles so that our community could see what we did and who we were. Because a lot of times they didn't know who we were. You know, so maybe one of us broke through and got an article, you know, in essence. But there were other stylists that were doing wonderful work and wonderful things, but nobody knew who they were. So, you know, our goal was to bring their attention to them and give them a platform and a, a night, a gala night, where they could see their work and see the, their hairstyles model across the stage. And then we, we would have our assistants who were up and coming, and they could present a, a model of their own. So we got to introduce new talent. And then the following day, that would be Sunday, we would have this big gala event at Lincoln Center. Then we would have classes where we would teach management classes and skincare classes and cutting classes and styling and roller setting classes, you know. And uh, it was it was wonderful, it was a wonderful event. That, that's amazing. Yeah, George Johnson gave us the first, he invested in it the first year that we did it. And uh, and some other companies later on came in, but it was an awesome thing, awesome time. I'm you. It was a lot of work. Woo. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it because it brought you know us to the attention of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You're as you were describing it, it's like I'm actually seeing it on stage. I'm seeing you know these people and the the grandeur of it all, and and that is beautiful. It was. It was like the Essence Awards or the National Awards. I mean, you familiar with Lincoln Center. I mean, that is the place, right? Mm-hmm. I took that over twice. Uh, two of them there. And, uh, and then we gave money to the Fresh Air Fund, you know, Nancy of Harlem and so forth. It was, it, was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to do, wonderful to see everybody come out in their theater, you know, tired. And it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Memories of that. Yeah. Yeah. He was a motivating force behind it. That I, you know, I thought people needed to know who he was and they and he needed to be honored for what he had been doing, the people he had hired and trained, you know, um, and helped us as well. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. It's like I definitely would love to get more information about him, you know, as a stylist and as I talked to some of you guys who are legends to, um, to you know, hear more about the people who inspired you is really powerful. Yeah, well, James Harris knew Frenchie better than anyone. And, okay, okay. Uh, he was his best friend, so. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she would have tons of pictures about him. Wow, okay, that sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess it's like we're about time to wrap it up, but I, I do want to ask you about owning two salons on two different coasts and what that experience was like. And um. Why did I do it, boy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Leslie Elkins and her husband would tell me, John, you should come to California with a salon because the way you run your salon, they don't run it like that in California, mm-hmm. okay? Professionalism wasn't there. Uh, the top salon, and I won't give a name, but the top salon there, the, the stylist would have the client shampoo, and this is one scenario they were talking about, and they would leave and go and not come back. And so it was this kind of stories I was hearing, and they kept saying, you should open a salon in California. That was my motivation to do a salon in California. With the help of Mrs. Cosby, Camille Cosby, um, and I know she was introducing me to her friends, and then, you know, my present wife, uh, 
she's, you know, became my PR person because she knew Hollywood. She was an actress, uh, is an actress, and a, and a writer and, and, and all of that. And she knew Hollywood. She knew everybody and everybody knew her. So she had the hookup. So, and so going there, it was first getting the money. Um, but my first thing I had to do, and I'll tell you what, getting the courage to do it. I was reading the Bible and I was following the story of Moses going to the promised land. So in my mind, it's promised land. Okay. Now, I'm listening to what God told Joshua to do when you get into the promised land. Don't behave like you behaved <laughs> in Egypt. And don't behave like the people that you're going to take over their land. Right? I said, oh, okay, God, I got the message. So I couldn't act like I was acting here in New York. And I couldn't go out there carrying that stuff out there. And thank God I had been reading the Bible at that time. So my, my character was changing. Okay? And so now I'm, I go out there with a different focus, okay? And so I think that was why we, we, we were there for 10 years. Um, and, and, I, and I say we were successful because you know, from the interviews that my wife did, guys, what the stylists had to say about the salon and how it affected their lives and so forth, you know, and the clients and so forth, you know, it was a success. I mean, you know, it was, it, it reminded me I hit my first million dollars. I made a million dollars, but I had to slide there and to slide in. And I said, whoa, <laughs> you know, I wasn't even thinking about the money, but when I looked at my statements and said, we had gone over a million dollars. And it was like a, a milestone. And, and all I could think about, but I still got to pay the rent. And I still got to do all these things, right? But that, it was exciting from that point of view, but it was also exciting to see the stylists that the training in the program, you know, helped. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my stars, uh, Stefan Demings, I hope you get a chance to interview him. He's a movie and TV uh, stylist. Okay. I mean, he's done, you name the movie, he probably did that movie. Okay. And, you know, the boys' bands. And he started here in New York and he started doing Jackie. He met Jackie because I couldn't go to the shoot, so I sent him. Okay. He became friends. And boom, she, uh, he went to California. He was my style director in California. And then he started uh, Vanessa Williams. And for there, he just kept going. He just kept going. Wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. And, yeah. 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 Well, I have a really fabulous team out there. Yeah. That's why I went. And also to get my wife. So we were married then. So we just we got married then. And uh, but I didn't go to get a wife. I went to the system, the training system, you know, and service the clients out there. Right, right. You know, through my wife, I met so many people. You know, so I met Clifton Davis, uh, Charity Raff, I had known her before. You know, all of that, I had to, a lot of people in New York, they knew of me. So when I got there, that helped. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And so they were recommending people. And my wife, I'll tell you a funny story. I used to call her New York time at night, okay, uh -huh. or early in the morning, and it's middle of the night for her. Okay. <laughs> you want to know why wasn't this done, and why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> she fired me. Almost like quick. 
But you know, that's that's the thing. I was fortunate enough to have a good PR person in New York when I started. Okay. And people, friends who helped me, a a woman who's since passed away, her name is Sandy Head. She was the editor of Mademoiselle Magazine. Mm. And it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have gotten the uh, script to do the Spellman. Oh, okay. And that sort of, once that article came out, it led to a Vogue, and it led to a Bazaar, and it led to, to many other magazines, one of the Italy and all of that. So, but again, I'm doing all this stuff, and all I'm thinking about, the rent's got to be paid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a great time. You know, it was fun. Yeah, when you, when you own a salon, it seems like those 30 days go like in a blink. It's like, ooh, didn't we just pay that? You know? <laughs> right, I'm telling you. It don't stop. It doesn't stop. Right. <laughs> what I found, you know, as I've gotten more mature is that, you know, we really can't do this journey alone, you know, through life, through our careers or what have you. So who have been like those people who have really, you know, been there in your corner through your career? You mentioned quite a few, but mm-hmm. tell us. Well, you know, I have to say my family who had to go through it all, you know, from the beginning, I have, I have two daughters and a son. And and I'm telling you, my oldest daughter and my son and my first wife, they, you know, they were just special in, in terms of the support they gave. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think about my aunt, Josephine, and my, my cousin, her son, Webster McKnight. And when we opened the salon, uh, she was the chemical technician, the expert. He was the manager, and I was the hair cutter. Okay. Together, you know, we were the team, and we restocked the others. But I think about the people that helped me, my uncle, my aunts, my cousins. It was just family was always there. Mm-hmm. And my, even my grandfather gave me advice, uh, gave me some good tips about servicing people. He said, if a bum comes in your business, Treat him the way you would treat a client. You know, let him know you're service him or her. And if um, you know, and if they have the money, this is the price, and just treat him like a gentleman. And then, you know, they they eventually leave and they'll speak good about your business. Right. And so that happened several times that people would wander in, you know, homeless or whatever. And I just you know greeted them, you know, hello sir, may I help you? We do this and that. We can do that for you, and this is the price. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was. It was just many people. I think about my my son when we opened a salon in California. We talked about that uh, a bit. And uh, while there, my wife she was manager. My daughter became manager. My son became manager. And then my son used to work the hair shows with me along with my nephew. Oh, okay. So, so I mean, I had a team. I was I was not doing this alone for sure. Right. Um, and then I tried to get my my son into doing hair. So he eventually, I stayed on him so much, he went to beauty school. <laughs> you know, he started cutting hair. He, he, was, he had some clients, you know, some family members, he was cutting their hair. And uh, and he was pretty good. But mm-hmm. that was his passion. Yeah, okay. For audiovisual and, and later at the Brown Brothers show, he videoed a class for me, you know, which I hope everybody have a chance to see. Well, that was my first, not my first class, first one at Brown Brothers, cutting hair to the glory of God. And he mm-hmm. did 
photography and lighting and the whole thing. So, and my daughter, she's um, she <laughs> she's a manager um, excellence, by excellence. And I have to say that about her. Now, I can't say she learned management from me, but okay. she is really, really good and a smart young lady. So, I mean, I just just really appreciate them and what they contributed to my life at that time and to the career. So, I, I mean, I couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I mean, they gave me the space to, to do what I, I did. They didn't harass me. They didn't, you know, they were just there to support, you know. Yeah, that's powerful and wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because, and because of that, I mean, you know, you, you love them anyway, but when you see how they develop, Hmm. in California uh, and now they're all doing their own thing you know my son is very successful and and, and you know what's wonderful about it all and I talked about my grand, my granddaughter hmm. also, who can preach the word my son my daughter my daughter is very involved in the church um, and then my son I mean he's a studier I mean he studies the Bible we have great conversations together uh, Elva and my granddaughter, it's just a group of us. We started meeting, mm. we started meeting during this pandemic, and uh, we got a, a call line, a conference call line, and then we just every week, I mean, every day, in a week, mm. we would talk, we would pray for people, we would pray for the family members, anyone going having challenges, we'd pray for them, and the contributions, and we'd have Bible study, literally, and the contributions from them was just amazing. Wow. Amazing. I didn't know my son knew so much Bible. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. And then I knew my daughter. And my granddaughter came in. And then my grandson. It's, it's just been wonderful. And the cousins. And it's just been a great time. So um, wow. I just think about they're still supporting me to this day. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, they were my team uh, tonight. They're like, they all tuned in, right? <laughs> and they all had something to say, which was positive, and just supportive. It was good, but I couldn't have done it without without them. And I think about, you know, how how much love they showed me uh, during the whole process. Right. It was special. Right. Yeah, and I can imagine you had a lot of travel um, during times when they were growing up and all. Oh yeah. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And, you know, and I tried to spend as much time with them, you know, uh, when they were younger, as much time as possible with them. Right. Call them and take them, you know, and bring them to the salon. Um, you know, and so they, they kind of grew up around the business and in the business, so they were never left out. My clientele, I shared uh, my experiences with, with my clients with them. And mm -hmm. so I remember my son, he was a little dude. When I was at Vidal Sassoon, I brought him into Sassoon's let him see what his father was doing. Uh -huh. And, it, you know, it's interesting. You see them developing and uh, you don't, you don't know how they're going to develop. But I, I learned something, I think it was from Zig Ziglar made a comment. If you treat a person for the way they are, you make them worse. But if you treat them for what they can become, you make them better. Uh -huh. I was always letting my son know that 
First of all, he has the same name as me, you know, yeah. uh, and I have the same name as my father. So he's basically the third. So I told him, you carry in three names. Right. So you have to do right. There's no way <laughs> you can do wrong. And I said, um, so you think about that and what you, the family that you came from and how far you can go. And he is going right. to be really special. It's been, a, I, I have, having the opportunity to talk about it, I think, um, brought back memories. Um, gosh, I, I, what I would like to do is to see all the stylists that I trained. You're going to thank you because they pushed me to go further to be able to teach them as much as I could. And, I, and, and, and they put up with my, my arrogance. They put up with, you know, my toughness on them when they, when they were late. Uh, and they were out of uniform. Uh, I mean, I had to buy some of them. They come to work, I had a uniform. Okay, you don't, you don't have a white shirt? Go to the store, you get a white shirt. You're going to work today. But, okay. and, you know, and, right. oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was a time. But to see those women walk out of the salon and go down Fifth Avenue and, you know, just shaking their heads and the hair's moving and they were wearing the Atchison cut. And I, and I was telling you, you've been Atchisonized. So, <laughs> love it. <laughs> so what what um what's next for you? What's going on for you right now? You know, I've been praying about what's next. I thought of doing a uh, a, a web class, you know, cutting hair, uh -huh. a subscription hair cutting class online. Yep. Uh -huh. That's, that's one project that I, I'm going to do that. And then the other is a product line. So I had one years ago, and I made a big mistake, and I didn't know the business, and I didn't, you know, it, it blew up. And so, uh, you know, that was like, but it wouldn't go away. So doing a line again, I want to develop a, a, an organic line and, uh, uh -huh. you know, and a generic line. So I have some products now. I've been selling some products out of this salon. And this last one that I have now has argon oil and it's and people really like it. So, you know, I'm gonna move that. And uh, I'm gonna follow in Barry's footsteps. He's my okay. he's my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, actually, yeah, well, this this month is for the legends, but next month in November, it's like it's going to be all about retail because I almost feel like retail may be the next cosmetology. And so um, we'll have some really good um, folks. I won't tell you too much, but you'll you'll have some people to add to your team as well. Okay, so, cool. so stay yeah, tuned. Yeah. You know, the ministry part. Uh, I'm in the church now. I'm learning. You know, the Bible is forever. It's, it's like it's pregnant. So I'm learning more. I'm more conscious of who I am in Christ. And it's just amazing. I don't know where I would end up in ministry uh, because that's first. Uh, so, you know, but in the, in the meantime, I know God gave me talent and he didn't tell me to stop doing hair. He didn't tell me, you know, I couldn't find anywhere where anybody retired from what they were doing in the Bible. So I said, I'm going to keep 
there's clients still, you know, they still love my work and I can cut a straight line. I just don't do as many and I don't want to, and I don't work as many days and I don't want to. Right. I do, I enjoy doing it and, and it's great. Right, right. So, I, I'm, I see what God leads me on this one. But I know the product line will be launched and uh, and also, you know, there'll be a class where I'll be teaching because I, I still have the urge to teach and I still got some energy. Good, good. It's like we'll be definitely looking forward to it. So, okay, all right. Yeah. I got one too. Okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I think there's many more. It's like we've got so many um, wonderful comments here. I'm going to try to put some of them on the screen as we wrap up everything. Um, and um, thank you for recognizing this great stylist, businessman, educator, man of God. There's clearly much we can learn about creativity, business, and about how to conduct ourselves in life, integrity. And that's crazy. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and... Or we have, um, wow, let's see here. Um, Tanya Donson, knowing the history and behind the scenes gives even more respect. Such a stellar career. Mr. Atchison has been a true blessing to our industry. I'm really honored to have taken his classes too. It's Tanya Donson. How long did you in the class? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so a few folks are saying they love the interview, um, including. Rockstar Cut, Zawana. Um, love this interview. This is amazing. Thanks for taking the time out to share, Mr. Atchison. And um, she thanks me as well. <laughs> and um, looks like there was one more that I wanted to share, but I can't seem to find it. But um, we've got some wonderful, um, wonderful comments. And so I appreciate everybody that's joined us live, everybody that is that will see this as a replay. And um, let's see, um, Impact Beauty just says amazing. <laughs> I'll be and thank you for this history. Yeah. 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 So I think there's so much that you shared with us. It's like, this has been absolutely wonderful. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you being um, my first in the Legends Month to jump this, jump start this off. It's been fabulous. And um, it's like, I guess we'll try to wrap it up. We're a little over, but I expected that because you have so much to share. It's like, and we want to hear it. <laughs> we want to hear it all. So, thank you for the opportunity, really. I really do. Thank you for the opportunity to come before your audience. And thank you for every, every comment. Okay. And uh, I will definitely read each one of the comments. <laughs> you know, yeah. and again, so I can... I can hear what I said because you know when you're talking, it's all like I don't know what did I say that? I don't right. Know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's like it's interesting when you listen back. So. <laughs> yes, but um, I want to thank everybody for for joining us this evening. Uh, apologies for not being able to get um, onto Facebook, so we'll have to try to see if they've gotten whatever interface fixed up for mm -hmm. us, and. Um, invite you guys back if you're on YouTube, which is some place you're probably watching right now, to invite you to subscribe and ring the bell so you get notified about the upcoming events. Um, this was our very first interview for Legend Month, and we have three other legends that I'm going to spend some time with over the next three weeks, Tuesdays at 7. So next is Mr. Reginald Mitchell, um, former 
um, director of education for Soft Sheen Products. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of you guys are in my age range, but I saw Soft Sheen. It's like they were like number one at the time. And when I came yes. to the industry, I mean, when you got to their stage, you were just standing there with your mouth open. It's like hair was shaken for the first time back <laughs> here. And the outfits and the choreography, it was like seeing a, a, a serious show. And so I can't wait to interview him. And he's actually the one who taught me how to be, how to present on stage. And so oh. looking forward to that. And then we'll have Mr. Joe Dudley, who's built an entire empire um, mm -hmm. around his products, around education with the Dudley Cosmetology University. And I know we'll have a lot of DCU folks uh, coming to join us and um, super excited to, you know, hear his stories. Like we've heard some of his story, but we want to dig a little deeper and um, and get some of those nuggets that we can, you know, take on to um, create our own business empire. And wow. <laughs> we'll end the month with Floyd Kenyatta, Global yeah. Ambassador for John Paul Mitchell's uh, Systems and also He's morphed into doing furnishing. So I'll be sharing some of that for salons and the stuff he has is out of this world. So we'll hear a lot. He started the Black Hair Olympics and just accolade after accolade. And one of the big reasons I moved to the DC area to start my career was seeing his work. And so it was, um, I can't wait. <laughs> the same here. Yeah. But I tell you one thing, I ever do another interview. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get me some earbuds. Okay. <laughs> out of my ears. <laughs> oh, come to my wife gave me a gift of some earbuds. Oh. Main one, you know the key because one of them is the the hookup, the one that you hook up to. Okay. To I got the other one, but I don't have the main one. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's the only thing with the the ones that just fit in your ear that sometimes you end up with just one or even none. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wrong one. But I, I'll get another set and I won't have yellow wires hanging out my head. Well, we appreciate you. It's like we appreciate your yellow wires and all. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, well, listen, Nikki, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So um, invite everybody, you know, check out beautysuperstars.com. It's like we've got the Beauty Superstars Online Academy. And I just launched the first mastermind for Be, um, Be Your Own Boss Mastermind. It's a 90-day thing. And we started yesterday. And it was so phenomenal just day one um, that I'm going to be doing more. So you guys stay tuned. Um, go to the website. There's a free gift for you there to get your finances straight with COVID and, um, and they'll keep you posted with all of the upcoming events. So want to say thank you again to my special guest and all of you guys to have a wonderful evening and keep reaching for the stars. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.